This is David's Book Talk, bringing authors and book lovers together in a unique way since 2009. Visit us at davidsbooktalk.com and join the conversation at facebook.com slash davidsbooktalk. But first, pull up a chair, relax, and enjoy today's episode. Here's your host, David English. Hello and welcome to David's Book Talk. Today we're going to talk to Jeff Abbott. Yes, we haven't talked to him for a long time, and he has a new book out, a very interesting book called The Three Beths. Very interesting title. Hello, Jeff. Hello, David. How are you? Good. I love the, I, for some reason, I love this cover, these three girls running on the cover. I just I find that interesting. Yeah, it's a great cover. I, I didn't know how they were going to try to visually represent the story, but I'm really pleased with how the cover turned out. It, Grand Central did a great job. I have to say, th- this is a very complex book. It doesn't seem like it is at first, but it, it's very complex. Am, am I reading it wrong, or is that your take on it too? Um, I don't think I don't think any of my books are that complex. I think they can be kind of twisty, um, with characters all having their own agendas. Um, but it never it never feels complex to me when I'm writing it. I mean, I, I tend to think that my protagonists have a very singular objective and are doing everything they can to pursue that. Um, now, you, but, um, when you first started, you did the Jordan Petit series, which I, I absolutely loved. I don't know. How many books were in that series? Four. Four. And they were all... From, now, why didn't you continue that series? I, I'm curious. Well, I, um, my father became terminally ill, and I was his caretaker, and I just could not work full-time and write and oh. take care of him. And so um, after he passed and I started writing again, you know, uh, I had some different ideas for books that weren't appropriate for the Jordan series. So I, that was when I started writing the Whit Mosley novel. Um, but, uh, yeah, that was that was kind of... Now, Witt was a judge, right? Yes, he was the justice of the peace. Right. Uh, there's an oddity in Texas law where in rural counties, justice of the peace will serve as a coroner, and a JP does not have to have any legal training. It's an elected office. Um, they, you know, it's like a small claims court, um, but they are in charge of declaring whether there should be death inquests or arson inquests. So it was a, that was an interesting way to put sort of an amateur detective into a, a role of law enforcement responsibility. Right. So you had those two series, and now then now you're, you're writing what they consider standalones for the most part now, right? Uh, yeah, I also wrote the Sam Capra series about a former CIA agent. Oh, really? Oh, I didn't know that about that one. Um. But, uh, yeah, I wrote five books in that series. Um, but the last two books have been standalone novels, and I've written four other standalones. Right. Do you prefer standalones? Is it nice to start over from the beginning and just, just be, write a fresh book, or do you miss series writing? Um, I like doing both for different reasons. But the series, you, it, it's a feeling like you get to revisit old friends. Mm-hmm. Um, I think readers really like series. Um 
you know, I've written two standalones in a row. I'll get emails every week asking when I'm writing another Sam Capra book. Um, so, yeah, I'm, but with a standalone, it's sort of fun because it's a whole new set of characters, a whole new situation. Um, you have a little bit more room to move. Um, but I like writing both of them. So I, 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 but it's, you know, it's just for different reasons. Like when you're in a different mood for different kind of food, I guess. Well, what, one of the things I like about this book is Mariah and her father. I, I love the dynamic between the two of them. And I love, you know, what, that there's, there's, there's friction between the two of them, even though they're father and daughter, there's some friction there and there's unresolved things. And I, I love that tension that's between them. And it really highlights the book. Thank you. I mean, the, the whole premise of the book came from their relationship. Um, you know, I, I was wondering what it would be like to have one parent just vanish and have the other parent be suspected of, of, of murder or kidnapping or having gotten rid of, you know, his wife. And she is you know, living with her father who's been accused of this but never arrested because there's no evidence to link him. And um, what would that be like? Um, and I kept thinking about, you know, she would she would feel loyalty to her mother, but she wouldn't want to believe her father was capable of it. Right. Um, and, and it just seemed like a very rich thing to mine. And, you know, a lot of her... Mariah's obsession in the story is to clear her father's name and find out what, what really happened to her mother and there's not a straw she won't grasp at to try to uh, to um, and I love as I love as, as the book goes along it gets it gets more and more interesting I just I really like that and you really write good characters I mean that's that's the that's the crux of the book you have to believe the characters I've read, you know, books that where I start reading and I'm like, I don't even believe these characters are real. They don't seem real to me. And it's so important that the character seems real. There has to be, you have to flesh them out enough for them to really relate, where, where the, the reader can really relate to the characters. Well, I, I, I agree 100% with that, David. And, you know, uh, not always the writing of the book goes smoothly. <laughs> I'll bet. When I run into a problem or an obstacle, it it is always almost because I haven't explored a character enough or a character is doing something sort of contrary to what's been established for them without a good reason. Um, you know, if, if you really address your characters, the story will unfold organically, I think, much much more effectively. So anytime when I run into a, um, a problem with the writing, I go back through the pages and think, where have I fallen short in, in creating these characters or addressing these characters or understanding these characters? Um, you know, just throwing in a plot twist isn't always uh, the solution. The twists need to arise out of, of what you've established about the characters. You, and you have one character in particular that I really, really like. The, that woman, and I, can't, I don't want to give too much away, because it's that woman that sits behind the desk that owns the company. <laughs> I love that the, character. The, the receptionist, Aunt Claudette. Yeah, yeah. see, she's a she's an amazing woman. I I want to I want to read more about her. I mean, I, I oh, found yeah, she, she 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 was a character. Now you know this is this is this is you know sort of the funny way about books getting written. Um, she was a character who 
had somewhat of a different role in the first first couple of drafts of the book, and I thought this just isn't working out. And I like gave myself the time to think about what would this woman really, really be like this this elderly, abrasive, uh, sharp-witted woman who runs this large trucking company and has all these young folks jumping through hoops. What would she really be like? What would her motivations be? How would she express herself? Because um, uh, she just doesn't care. You know, she, 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 she's not a person who worries too much about what other people think. She's more worried so, about People Magazine is what she's more worried about. She's more worried about her missing out on her People Magazine. Right. So, yeah, it, she, was, she was a lot of fun to write. I, I, I enjoyed writing Claudette. I don't know that I'd want to hang out with her too much, but I enjoyed writing her. Yeah, it's just this, one of those interesting people you wanna, you'd love to know more about. I mean, that, and as you read books, there's always... You find these characters that really, somehow, you just want to know more about. Well, and it, it, you know, my house burned down while I was writing. Yeah, it was horrible. And, and uh, you know, I had had finished a draft of it about two or three weeks after the house burned, and it was definitely not my best work. It, it just wasn't, you know, and I was dealing with a whole lot of stuff, and Going back through the book, I told my editor, I said, I really need to tear down this manuscript and kind of rebuild it. I'm, there's a lot of changes here I need to make. But we were talking about the good things that should be preserved from it, and Claudette was one of the things that should be preserved from, from the earlier draft. So she had, to, she, had to, she, had to, she had to survive multiple cuts. Now, do I remember, did she chew gum? I can't. Did she chew gum? Yeah, I'm, I'm trying to think if... if why do I? I picture her as chewing gum for some reason. I don't know why. I don't recall that she chewed gum. She 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 might she might have or she might have had a breath mint. Right, uh, something. I, there was something. Yeah. I'm I'm remembering something. I don't know. Maybe I'm maybe I'm. She mostly likes to be posted at the desk of that company, like therapist guarding the gates of hell. You know. So. Exactly. So that's <laughs> about the temperament. And she's not going to let anybody get a, get one over on her, that's for sure. No, no, so the confrontations no. that, later, that come later in the book are really interesting to read. Yeah, and, you know, that's what, you know, even a minor character, she, and she is a supporting character. She's not a main character in the book. Um, you know, you have to make those characters come alive, be vivid. Um, they're just more memorable if you can give them some moment of, of truth. Um, uh, of reality about themselves, and Mariah. And let's face it, Mariah is a is a very lonely woman. She's had a tough time. I, I, you know, I, you know, again, I thought about what it would be like to have one parent vanish and the other parent be accused of having orchestrated that uh, of a terrible crime, and you know, I, I think people probably would not know what to say to her I, because. And that's and that's a good. Suggests that her father's guilty. She's going to turn away from. Um, I think she's in a really. She is in a very very lonely place. And, and that's a. It's a very. Right. It's a very awkward thing. I mean, it's like it's like cancer or anything serious like that. What do you say to a person or well, somebody? Well, yeah, exactly. I mean, there's just not the right word. You say what comes from your heart, then you hope that it's the that it's okay. Well, and, you know, people can have good intentions, but, you know, we lost, after we lost our house, there were times 
there were some things people said to us that I was like, really? Is that really what you want to say to us? Um, really? And, and I, think it comes, I think it comes out of not knowing how to say something comforting or feeling that they have to say more than just, I'm sorry. Right. And, you know, that's all people usually have to say is, I am sorry you are going through this. But they try to... They, they try to do something more or attach some meaning or agenda to their wishes for you, and it get, can get very, very odd. So uh, say, That shocks me to hear that, that somebody would do that. And, you know, oh, it's, yeah, very easy yeah. to be, it's very easy to be judgmental of other people. Yeah, it is. And, and, you know, and I think there's also people that sort of take joy in the fall of others, you know, in a, in a case like Mariah's, you know, here was this, you know, very happy family, and then not, uh, and, you know, they, they sort of, people have this weird fascination of having a proximity to a crime, right. and, um, you know, often can't let go of it. I love, I love some of the things that, uh, her father, Craig, Craig, what, what the, some of the things these neighbors are writing to him, I, I just love them. They're so unbelievably harsh, and yet, that's the way people are sometimes. It, that is the, it, it is. It is the way people are, and you know, you can imagine that people being interviewed after she vanished on TV or for press. And you know, I didn't really go into that, but people get solicited for their opinions all the time, and that's why you hear these cliches like, "Oh, he was always so quiet. He kept to himself." You know, right? Uh, when it's about someone who's been accused of a crime, and. You know, there were people who supported and believed him, but there were a lot who just didn't. And um, I, I kept thinking how corrosive that would be to the parent-child relationship between Craig and Mariah and the sort of feeling that they're sort of imprisoned together in that house. And, um, and the thing is, with Craig, if he, you know, if he goes to the neighbors and tells them what he thinks, you know, and how mad he is at them, then he actually... It, 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 it almost is like he's acting crazy, and they start to believe that he could do that, that he could right. kill his wife. Right. If you stand up for yourself, it could become a self-fulfilling prophecy a little bit about how you're viewed. Um, you know, what is the right choice to make? Do you say nothing? People say, why isn't he defending himself? If he defends right. himself, people are like, oh, look how aggressive he is. You know, it's, it's, it's not always a, a, a it's kind of, it can be a no-win situation. So I wanted that to be sort of the foundation for this story, as then she, as then when Mariah decides to start investigating the disappearance of a second Beth, um, because she's just grasping at a straw that that can somehow be, you know, connected or it's just something for her to look at. Um, so was uh, this book fun to write? I mean, other than the fact you had all these personal problems going on, putting putting that aside. Um, <laughs> Excuse me. It, yeah, there were times the book was fun to write when it was going well. When it's not going well, fun is not really the word I would choose. Well, don't you don't you always know uh, that it's going to come together? Yes, I, and I but I have to be reminded of that sometimes. You know, my wife is good at saying, you know, you kind of go through this with every book. Uh, or my writer friends would point out that, you know, you will you will get through this. And when it starts clicking into place after however many drafts or edits that you've done, um, then that is, then that truly is kind of fun and it's a really good feeling. And you know then that um, 
the the ideas that you're having now to fix the book or to make the book stronger were worth waiting for. But there's always that bit of like, why couldn't I have thought of this three months ago or you know two weeks ago or when I kind of you know <laughs> needed a little bit. But that's just the process, and you have to respect the process and just keep going. Well, I would think though that knowing that it, that eventually you're going to get there. That it, that yeah. makes it easier to take. Other than, I mean, I, I guess some, some writers go through. You know, they write a book and they they're not sure they're going to get to the end of it. They're not sure they're going to be able to to complete it. That's going to be well. Yeah, and I've thrown out books before. I mean, I threw out two hundred pages of a novel that just wasn't working. But I've done this nineteen times before, so I know that I will get through it, and I'll I'll end up with something that I you know, I'm happy to have my name on, and um, I'll, I will get through that process. I just sort of have to trust myself that I will get through it, but I, I have every time, and I know I'll do it again. So how, how much stress is involved in getting to that point? I mean, do you, do you lay awake at night worried, and do you um, drink I, a lot of coffee? I was, I was laying awake worrying more about getting our, our home built again. Um you know, it, that sort of eclipsed everything. Under normal circumstances, no, I'm not. I'm not. I'm. I'm not laying awake. It's more like I'll get an idea that's really useful right before I'm dropping to sleep, and I hope I get it written down, uh, right. <laughs> so I'll have it in the morning. But um, you know, I have my techniques, like everyone else does. Um, like if the writing is not going well, or I'm struggling from day to day, um, you know, I'll end the day's writing in the middle of a sentence. So the next day it's easier to start. I just have to finish that sentence and I'm started. Oh, that's, um, an, that's an interesting comment. I've never heard yeah. that before from a writer. Yeah, I'll, I'll stop in the middle of a sentence, stop in the middle of a big scene, and then that way the next day my momentum is already there. I, I know where that scene is going to go and that makes it easier to flow into the next scene. Um, I will go for long walks. Long walks away from the the manuscript, away from the computer, away from the internet, away from other people, will let my mind work on the problem. Um, you know, my subconscious will work on the problem, and then ideas will start to bubble up. Um, you know, so there, there, or I can sit down and just kind of start journaling, just start writing out what I'm thinking and feeling. What are my problems with the book? That was something I saw Sue Grafton did, and. Her novel journal. She wrote an article about it once. Okay, oh it's not working with this character. Why is it not working with this plot point? And you know, that's like me going back earlier and saying. Usually, I go back, and the problem is, you know, the bump in the road is I haven't dealt with a character appropriately. That's um, just writing out what is the problem here. How are ways I can solve it? And you can put down lots of bad ideas on paper. No one's ever going to see them. But that that bright, shiny idea that's the right one may suddenly, you know, uh, 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 assert itself. So, yeah, the process can be hard, um, but there are techniques that I've found useful over the years to to help the process along when when, when things are tough. Now, does does your wife help? I mean, is she an encouragement? Is she, is she helpful to, to get you through that, too? Oh, sure. I mean, she's She's a remarkable woman. Um, I don't know what our family would have done without her as sort of our anchor, you know, and having lost our home and, and, and all of that. She's just an amazing person. 
Um, but yeah, she's always encouraging to me if I'm feeling down, you know, reminding me I've done this again and again and again, and I've gotten through it. Um, she's usually my first reader, um, and she's a thoughtful reader. I mean, does she tell you if she doesn't like something, does she say, I don't like that or get that out of there? Yeah, she, she, she'll, she'll tell me in a nice way, you know, um, if, if she's not connecting with something. Um, I know when she's reading it, we're, we're in bed and I'm reading, you know, some book and she's reading the manuscript. If she looks over at me and she goes, damn it, Jeff, I know that's a good sign because she kind of wants to go to sleep. Right. Because <laughs> it's for the day. She's a kindergarten teacher. She's had a oh. long day. But when I get a, when I get a damn it, Jeff, uh, that's when I know she doesn't want to put the book down and she's going to lose sleep. And uh, so that's sort of our joke. Um, but you know, she's a she's. I, I couldn't have had a writing career without her, her constant encouragement and support. So I mean, you, while writing this book, and you, like you said, you had a lot of you, your your house burning down, and you had a lot of support from other writers, which is really wonderful to see. A lot of support from other people who really care. And when you realize people care, that that means an awful lot. It's, it has, I did. It, it it was it was it was amazing and um, I mean I lost twenty five hundred books in the fire mm. and there was a group of um, writers uh, Meg Gardner J T Ellison and Laura Benedict um, who are all also crime and mystery authors mm-hmm. uh, and they organized secretly organized the book drive uh, via Facebook. Um, and had authors mailing me books. And, you know, I was getting boxes of books from people and there would be a note inside, you know, saying like, um, I'm enclosing a book that my late wife loved and I hope you'll love it too. Wow. Or, you know, um, Lee Child sent me a whole bunch of signed first editions of his books. What a uh, guy. And, and was like, Jeff, sell these if you need to or keep them if you want, <laughs> which I really appreciated, and I've kept them, um, kept them all. Um, but, yeah, it was, it was, and, and I think one of my favorite notes, someone said, I'm not just sending you the books that I wanted to get off my shelf. I'm sending you books that I loved, and I hope you'll love them, too. Oh, wow. And, and so it was really overwhelming in, in those first few weeks after the fire. Um, because, you know, that was my personal library, and I was lucky to have it, but it was also built up over, you know, I had books in there from when I was a teenager. Like right. when I first read Sherlock Holmes at age 12, I still had those books. Um, and all my books I'd had as an English major. Um, and, you know, you, it was it was my library. It was a very singular thing, and it, you can't really quite, quite replace it. And so, but that's, you know, that's okay. Um, onward, I'll, I have new books now, and I'm excited to have those. That's uh, so, wonderful. Yeah, it, was, it was a remarkable show of support, and then a lot of people. My novel Blaine had just come out. It came out ten days after the fire, and authors were, you know, promoting me to their readers, saying, "Please pre-order Jeff's book. You know, ask your library to order Jeff's book." Go buy it on the day it comes out. Let's you know stand up for him, and you know that was a tremendous help. So that's really moving. I mean, I'm I'm getting teary. I just thinking about this now. All these people helping you, and you know, yeah, it was it was very sweet. 
And I, I mean, to know that people care that much, I mean, it's an overwhelming. I mean, I felt it myself. Sometimes you don't realize how much people care. Sometimes, you know, you feel, we all have times where we feel alone or we feel like, you know, we we need people in our lives. And when we're reminded how much people care about us, it really is makes a huge difference. I, I have always thought that the crime writing community, and, you know, I, I don't know about science fiction or or romance or other other genres, nonfiction, what have you, but that the, the crime writing community has always been so supportive of each other, so encouraging, um, and, and, and always stand together. And so, you know, then you get to really see it in action, and it's, and it's remarkable. Um, you, talk, you, you mentioned about a 200-page book that you threw out. Do you think uh, you could have somehow tweaked it and made it into a novel that would have worked? Um, maybe, but I also was just kind of weary of it, and sometimes okay. it's better to know when to stop working on something and go work on something else. Um, really, time is the only resource that I have. Uh, that's true of every writer. And, um, you know, when something isn't working, just go and put it aside. Um, but, yeah, it, what I think is more likely in that is maybe one character or one idea from a project like that may persist and work itself into another project. Right. Um, you know, that I got 200 pages out, you know, was, it was not inconsequential. Um, but sometimes just that execution of the idea is not going to work, and it's just better to move on to something else. So can we expect any more in any of your series? What what can we expect in that in that? Oh vein? well, um, I still get. I mean, I haven't written a Jordan Petit book for twenty one years. Wow! Um, I still ask when I'm writing another one. Um, you know, those are with a different publisher than the publisher I'm with right now. But you know, maybe you, you, I got you, the right idea. Maybe I would write one. You know, you realize how wonderful those books are. If anybody hasn't read them, I I suggest you go out and find them. And are they still in print? They are still in print, yes. Because they are wonderful. I remember when oh. I first read them how wonderful they all of them were. Oh, well, that's very kind of you. Yeah, they're in print. They're in ebook form. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I could write another one of those. I definitely will write another Sam Capra novel. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, I just, you know, uh, he went through quite a bit in those first five books, and I just felt he needed a vacation. But that's going to be hard because you haven't. Is it, and when's the last time you wrote one of those? That was two years ago. Oh, it was only two years ago. Okay. Yeah. So that won't be as hard as with Jordan yeah. Petit. You'd, you'd have to go back and remember everything you, you wrote about him. Twenty-one years is a long time. Oh. Yeah, I go. I, I wrote another Jordan. I'd have to go back and reread all four. And you know, rereading your books is just your favorite thing to do. <laughs> yeah. I can't imagine what that's like for a writer to reread their books. It's, it's, it's a little weird. I mean, there are times I remember, you know, writing exactly that phrase, and then other times I'm like, wow, I don't remember writing that, but that's okay. Um, Isn't that strange? It is a strange. I'm, I do some diary writing every once in a while, and I go back and I look, and I'm like, why did I write that? What is wrong with me? Yeah, yeah. But, um, yeah, you kind of always want to go back and rewrite and edit, but it's written and it's there, so, you know, onward. Uh, that's all you can do is keep moving forward. Was there anything that motivated you to write the three best? Was there a, a, a true story that you read or anything that brought this on, or is, was this just out of, right out of your imagination? Well, I think, you know, over the years we've all read stories of when someone has gone missing and 
their family, you know, pleads for information or, you know, for, for anything, anything to come forward to help in resolving the case. And I kept thinking about, okay, what is that like when the camera's turned off and, and, the, and the press has, has walked away onto the next story? And that, you know, then that was sort of the genesis for the characters of Mariah and Craig. Um, and then I thought, what if, you know, in trying to investigate something about her mother, she investigates a, a crime that could be even more dangerous hmm. for her. Um, and so that's sort of like, sometimes it's, uh, the idea for the story is not just one idea. It's like a little interlinked chain of ideas that sort of add up to a whole. And, and um, that, was, that was, yeah, there wasn't really a particular true crime story that inspired me for the three thousand. Yeah. Knowing where and, I mean that's a favorite um question for readers, you know, where do you get your ideas from? Where does this idea come from? And it is fascinating to hear because every writer's different. Every writer will tell you you know we Well in some yeah, sometimes the idea that comes first is is the character. You know, you think of, of who the main character might be and, and you know, and the other times it's the situation. Uh, what would the, what it would be kind of an interesting situation, and then who are the people populating that situation? Um, so I don't I don't limit myself. You know, it's not always one way or the other with me. Um, ideas can come around from things that I see or things that I hear or that I'm you know read about or inspired about. Um, so you don't know anybody that's like Claudette. <laughs> No. Oh, well, we probably all know someone who's a little bit like Claudette. But, uh, yeah, you can't, you know, and here's the thing. you can't, It's really hard, at least for me, to transplant real people into my fictional world. Um, a couple of times I've based characters on people I kind of knew, and they never recognized themselves hmm. in it. It's, it's funny to me. But... Um, uh, people are always asking if I can stick them in a book, and I'm like, "Are you sure? Have you have you read my book? Do you <laughs> that you want to be something could happen to you? You know, it could be that could happen. So, um, yeah, I mean, I I feel like I'm paid to use my imagination, so that's what you know. But yeah, often there are little seeds in reality that will sprout forth an idea, um, but it never is quite like how it is in in the real world. Yeah, exactly. I wonder, do you have like a box full of ideas that that you just pull some? I mean, do you have like a wait? If you get a really good idea for a book, do you like write it down and stick it somewhere? Yeah, I had an ideas. I have an ideas file. It survived the fire. Um, uh, and some, I've had some things written down for ideas there that have been in there for probably you know fifteen, twenty years, um, and I may never write them, but the ideas are written down. And sometimes I'll go back and look and I go, wow, I thought that was a good idea. Now I look at it and it's not such a great idea. Right. Um, but yeah, I do. I do write down. Well, how do you know what's a good idea and what isn't? I mean, how do you know for sure what, what's a good well, idea? It's, do I want to spend the next 10 months with this idea? And if the idea keeps nagging at me and if things related to the idea keep cropping up, um, that's sort of a sign to me. There are other times I get ideas and they never sort of proceed beyond the idea stage. So it was like, okay, that was an interesting thought, but a thought is not an idea. 
And because you have to start thinking about, it's not just the idea that makes the book, it's the execution of that idea that oh, makes yeah. the book. And so do I want to, if I start having thoughts on how the idea could be well executed, that's an idea that has traction. But like the, the for the book I'm working on right now that I'm currently presently writing, I wasn't sure it was a great idea. And my wife and I were in the car and I talked about it to her and we talked about it for 20 minutes. And she was like, you understand this is a really good idea. And I was like, is it? Because, yeah. <laughs> you know, you can sort of be your self-doubt kind of thing. And after she said that, I was like, yeah, this is kind of a really good idea. And then I went off to go and start researching it because I was going to have to do some basic research to see how I would flesh this out. Then it really caught fire in my head. And I was like, this has, this really needs to be the next, you know, the next novel. So, um, uh, yeah, you know, it has to find... It has to be the seed that can find some fertile ground in your head. Right. Um, and another writer might take that same idea and execute it entirely differently and something that I would be sort of indifferent to, she or he might be super excited about. Right. So, which is how we get the wonderful variety of books that we have. Exactly. And, you know, you read a book and, and you... To me, I have to get interested in the characters right away. I have to be able to get into it, or it's just like you're just slogging your way through it. And it's not worth it's not worth the time if you can't get into the book. Right, right. And you certainly, knowing the author's history, you, you, that you've enjoyed them before certainly helps. Yeah. But writers don't always write the perfect book. There are books that don't work as well as others sometimes with writers, I find. Anyway. Oh, that's, that, you know, this is my... I don't, my, my 19th or 20th, I, I've lost count, um, might be my 19th novel. Um, you know, I'm sure some of my novels, some of my novels are better novels than others. Not all 19 of them are going to be necessarily at the same level of, of quality, but, you know, readers would say different ones appeal to them more than others. Well, know? it's interesting how you have a lot of one-name titles. You have well, more yeah. than, you have more than a few. I have more than a few. Um. And, you know, it's easy. I, I had a friend who worked, uh, an author friend who worked in a bookstore for a while, and she said you would not believe how difficult it can be for veteran readers to remember the names of books. And I said, I'm going to try to make that easier for them. So, yeah, I, I do have a lot of one-word titles. The Three Best was not one. That's even kind of a title that's hard to say out loud, The Three Best. Um, I've had people say, what? You know, because I think I said deaths or something. But it's easy, it's an easy story of people. As a matter of fact, I was at Lisa Scott Elaine's book party over the weekend, and these ladies in back of me asked me what your book was about. I had, I had it in my hand. I was reading it. And I said, it's about three ladies named Beth who will disappear, and they were instantly interest, interested. Yeah. I mean, there was an instant, oh, wow, that sounds good. Look so, at you partying with Lisa Scott Elaine. What was that now? Look at you partying with Lisa. Yeah, really, I'm telling you. And but um, I love what he says. She's awesome. And you know, it was just. And she did. I don't know if she realized I was reading your book, but I was right in the middle of it. I had to finish it, and I because it was getting to the good parts. So. Oh boy. Well, thank you. And they were saying, "Well, you're going to finish the book before you get to see Lisa," and which I didn't. But. <laughs> I found that well, I found that I the three best. I was reading it little by little. For some reason, I was enjoying it, but I liked reading it little by little. I don't know why. It's weird how reading habits are. I don't. I couldn't tell you why I did it. Well, and you know, my reading has been 
dealing with the insurance and the rebuild of the house, um, you know, that that is like a, another full-time job. So my reading time has gotten very, very fractured. But I've, I've, so I haven't read nearly as many novels as I usually read in a year, but I, I have I sort of find time, and it may just be 10 minutes of reading, but I'll take it, you know, or right. the next week I'll get a full hour. So are you in a good place right now? Yeah, I'm in a good, yeah. I think so. We should be moving back into our house in about two weeks. That's um, wonderful. Two weeks? Uh, we've been out of it for 15 months, which is, you know, it's been difficult. Um, but um, uh, I think being back in our house will be just a huge lift to our family. And and I'll have an office again. And um, well, what was, after the, after it happened, what was the first thing that made you feel better? I mean, what was the first sign of, of that things were going to be okay? Um, well, because we'd all gotten out. I mean, we were at home yeah. when the truck and set the house ablaze. We all got out with our, our pets, and and um, we laughed that we only had the clothes on on our back, but that was true. Mm -hmm. you know? First thing we had to go do was buy shoes. I was in flip-flops. Um, uh, Probably, I don't, you know, one of our friends, one of our neighbors, um, very soon after the fire, she's originally from Paris, and she made us a French dinner. And and she brought a bottle of champagne, and she said, we drink champagne to toast the happy times, and we drink it in the sad times to know the happy times will come again. Oh, wow. And I thought it was just, it was such a lovely and neighborly gesture um, that I, i yeah, then I kind of thought maybe then for a moment, we're, we're going to be all right. You know, we're going to, but it's just such a shock that you have to process. You now, know? how many, how many children do you have? Uh, two. You have two kids. Okay. One. And thank God everybody was okay. Nobody got hurt. You're right. That's the, that's the bottom line. But when you watch your stuff burning down, it, oh, it had to be the most horrible feeling in the world. Well, and it's it's you know it's just one of those it's one of those things. You know, they were things. If you had told me you're going to lose your two thousand books, you know, I'm like, oh God, that's really that would have been awful to suck. You know, it's just it's terrible. Blah blah. You know. But then once they're gone, it's like okay, well they're gone, and onward. You know, that's all you can do. They're just they things. start over. You know, and it's easy uh, to say, but it's you're uh, right. It's I'm, still when you love your. I'm, I'm sorry. Yeah, as long as you, as long as you and your your family got out, that's truly, truly, truly all that matters. Um, and you know, we 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 felt that immediately. How our neighbors, you know, kind of enfolded us in their affection and, and, and their willingness to help and what we talked about the crime community you know I knew it was going to be okay I just knew it was going to be a long journey back to full normalcy for us well you must be a you must be a wonderful human being if all these people are helping you out that's what I say <laughs> uh, uh, everyone likes my wife Oh, is that what it is? It's, it's, it's my joke. My, my wife is like one of those super volunteers. She knows everybody. But, we, you know, we've lived in the neighborhood for 14 years. Right. You know, so we, we were we were kind of a fixture. Um, but, you know, you hope that the good things that you do in life, you know, 
you do them because they're the right thing to do. Um, and maybe sometimes that comes around or, or not, I don't know. But I was just overwhelmed at how much people wanted to, to help us. Um, so what, can you give us any kind of a preview of the next book of what it's going to be about, anything? I really can't right now. I really can't right now. I, 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 uh, it, will, it will be another book set in Lake Haven, like Blaine and the Three Baths. Oh, really? Because uh, I've, I've, I've enjoyed writing about this suburb. I, then I think the next book after that I'd, I'd probably like to do a Sam Capra. Um, uh, and maybe taking a jump forward in time with Sam, uh, where the last book ended, uh, maybe jumping forward five or ten years uh, to sort of a different point in his life. Um, but yeah, the next book I think is going to be a Lake Haven book. I'm, I've just enjoyed writing about this Austin suburb. Uh, Will Claudette be in it? <laughs> <laughs> I doubt well, it. I'll note, I'll note your request. Oh, she's wonderful. I mean, she's absolutely. I can I can imagine her having her own detective agency. I mean, just think of the fun that would be to write. I, I'm trying. Yeah, I, I I think you know maybe Claudette's in charge of the Lake Haven daycare now. That'd be even funnier. Oh, whatever, whatever she does, you know. She, she's just one of those characters that's like three dimensional. When you start reading about her, like, oh my god, I want I want to know more about this woman. Oh, well, thank you, thank you. Well, yeah, there, you never know. You never know who could pop up from book to book. Now that I've written three books, it's all set in the same suburb. It's not impossible we might see some characters recur. Oh, I was just going to say that. Maybe some of them will come back. And yeah. Isn't that what, what's well, his name? Uh, Linwood Barkley did that with his, th that trilogy he wrote that was so incredible. Yeah. And he, well, and Harlan Coben's done that with a number of his books set in his fictional New Jersey City, some, or, or you know, sometimes there's been like a lawyer from the Myron Molitor books crossover into a standalone. And are you still you know, friendly with Harlan? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I, I, I mean, I knew you. You've known him for years. I didn't know how close. I mean, when oh, yeah. I, oh, We're, we 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 talk on email practically every day. So um, yeah, we're we we stay close. Our our uh, yeah. I used to be able to email him. Now he can't even email him through his website anymore. He's too big, I guess. I don't know. I'm sure he, I know he remembers me. I just don't have access to his email anymore. So you're very lucky to have that. Because Harlan's one of those fascinating human beings. Yeah, he's he's a great guy. He's been super supportive of me. Um, always very encouraging. Um, so I've, I've always appreciated his friendship. So what... Is your biggest fear as a writer? Do you have fears? Um, sure. I mean, I think you know people worry about being dropped by their publisher or losing their reader base um, out of the lack of interest. You know, I think it's been, you know, it's. Uh, thank goodness uh, your thank goodness your publishing company is not owned by CBS. Um, I think it. You know, it's. Uh, uh, it, it's a business, and you worry about how the business is, is flourishing or not flourishing, given the economy or given people's interest in your product. Um, right. Uh, yeah. I mean, and how do you keep them fresh? How do you keep the books yeah. fresh? Right, exactly. It, it, you know, this is a tough way to make a living. A lot of people want to do it, but it's, it's, it's full of challenges, and you have to be willing to adapt to changing situations and to address those challenges and keep smiling and keep writing and, and 
you know, know how lucky you are to get to do this, and but never take it for granted. Do you, um, that you, you would always have an audience. So. Right. When you start writing a new book, do you go into it thinking this is going to be my best ever? Yes. I think you have to. You have to have... And does that work? I'm usually riddled with self-doubt <laughs> right. when I'm starting a book, but if I don't think this is going to be worth people's time, why am I writing it? You know, I have to have confidence in myself that I can entertain people, that I can create memorable characters, that I can surprise them with plot twists, that I can keep them reading up until 1 a.m. You know, they can read them faster than I can write them. So I, I have to have a certain amount of confidence going in that I can do it. At the same time, what you don't want to cross the line into is arrogance, thinking, oh, well, I've written this and I can't make it better. You've always got to be, you know, looking at your work, how can I improve this? You know, gosh, this is a really crappy sentence. How do I get rid of this? Or this character isn't working. Could I just cut him out entirely from the book? Would that make the book stronger? So it's a lot of asking yourself, not just, what happens next as you're writing, but how can I make this book stronger? And you also get emails from readers, too. Does that help? Are we getting emails that even if they're critical? Um, I don't... What, what, what in terms of feedback from readers? Yes. In, in other words, uh, say, say you get a, a emails from like 10 readers saying they didn't like a certain sentence. I mean, you would take that seriously. Uh, if, if I had 10 readers pay attention to a certain sentence, I'd be amazed. But, <laughs> no. Yeah, if, they didn't, if they didn't, if they didn't, yeah, if people didn't like something in the book, you know, they don't like it in the book. Um, right. I might, I might consider that in a future book. I'm not rewriting this book to fit what, what someone did or didn't like, but what happens when the next 10 readers tell me they liked it? You right. know, it's, you, you can't, you so can you... dance to one fiddle and that's yours. Right. It, it, it's hard to to make changes based on audience feedback like that. Now, you know, it, it, sometimes like if I've killed off a character and people are distraught about that, mm -hmm. I, you know, I, I, I get that. I understand that, you know. Um, or if people say, I really like this supporting character, would you ever consider bringing them back? That's probably where that had the most effect on me, is when they say, we'd like to see someone back again. Um, because that's something I can control, right? right. And I can possibly do in a future story. That's what Patricia Cuomo did with Benton, with her character Benton. She finally brought him back because so many people were complaining right. about him being dead, you know? And right, right. That, that was well, freaky. I, but the first book back was totally freaky. I mean, it, it wasn't quite as believable as I would have liked it to have been, but... Well, I, I, I you know, I have... Mostly what I hear is that, the, you know, they they want another Jordan book or they want another Sam book and in the Sam book they want him romantically allied with another character that they like so um, that, that tends to be the kind of feedback so much that you get you know that you can do something about you must have gotten a lot of letters about Jordan Petit when you didn't write him anymore and you must have gotten quite a bit of email about that um yeah, I think, yeah, I did. I still get emails from people who have discovered the series and are asking if I would ever consider writing another one. But, you know, it's just I haven't necessarily had the time. And those books are written in a certain kind of tone I'd have to rediscover. But if I had really, really, really the right idea for the next Jordan book, um, I would be willing to write it. But, you know, the last one came out in 96, and so I think 
it has to be an older and wiser Jordan. I don't think I could pretend that I was writing these books set back in the 90s, you know, again. Uh, although that'd be sort of an interesting thing to do. Um, uh, but, you know, we'll see. If I get the right idea, I'd write it. So the book you're working on now, when do you when do you usually finish it? I mean, is it how much more how much before the pub day? Do you, are you totally finished with it? Uh, usually, it's it's a, it's several months before the pub day when you're when you're done right. with it. Um, so you're well in advance of the deadlines. Yeah, yeah, but you know they've got to have time to get it copy edited and right and. And get it, you know, ARCs produced, and get it out to the press, get it out to books. So there is some pressure to get it done, definitely. Oh, sure. Always, you've always got to get, you've always got to get the the book done. So. Well, it, this has been a it's been a delight to talk to you again. It's been so many years, and I really enjoy it. You're always enjoyable to talk to, Jeff, and I'm oh. so glad everything's going well for you now. Oh, I really appreciate that, David. I appreciate you having me on this morning. It's been just wonderful. The book, again, is called The Three Bests. It is out from Grand Central on October 23rd in all your bookstores and audio and everything. And there is an audio version of this? Yes, they're, they're, they'll, they'll have an audio version out. Who's, who, who does the reading? Do you know? Uh, I don't recall the narrator's name. Okay. Uh, they, we, we had a, a list of possibilities, um, so I'm not sure exactly which is which one they settled on wouldn't that be interesting to listen to all the different takes on the if if they had the the different people doing it and you could decide which one you like the best that would be interesting yeah, they don't they don't audition by all reading from it you hear their samples of work of other books that they're around oh okay but that, even that would be interesting to say to say you could pick one out and say oh that's the person i want to do my book yeah. So thank you very much for this. And this has been David's Book Talk, and we'll talk to you next time. You have just enjoyed the podcast of David's Book Talk, brought to you by your host, book lover, David English. Please visit us at davidsbooktalk.com. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter, and subscribe to our podcast. We want to hear from you, and we don't want you to miss our upcoming shows with top authors like Mary Higgins Clark. Patricia Cornwell, Lisa Scottolini, Jackie Collins, Nelson DeMille, Michael Connolly, Sue Grafton, Steve Martini, Dale Brown, David Baldacci.